I'm Jamie Hurst, and for the MSU Denver Alumni Association, we're excited to bring you Bird Talk, a podcast about our alumni, their careers, and their lives. I always wonder what it's like to be a cat. Uh, fantastic. You get to just be an asshole all the time <laughs> and be cute, you know? Everything is on your terms and everybody worships you. 100%. Well, Megan, thank you for joining us. This is uh, super exciting. Glad to have you on board. And from all the way across the country, you're joining us from Atlanta today, which is exciting. We're thrilled to welcome you to this episode of Bird Talk. Bird Talk is our new alumni podcast where we talk about our alums, their lives, their careers, what you're doing now. And so excited to get into that with you a little bit here today. But I want to give a quick um, kind of bio for our audience so they can hear about some of the great things you're doing, but we'll expand upon so much of it. Uh, but you're a 2021 graduate of MSU Denver, got a degree in entrepreneurship. Since 2016, uh, you've been acting professionally with notable roles in Intrusion, a Netflix film, uh, Waco, a limited TV series, Who Needs You? And you have a new film, Shrapnel, coming out later this year. Uh, in addition to acting, Megan is also a producer, singer, musician, former Irish dancer, which I can't wait to ask you about. <laughs> and you have a cat named Churro, which we talked a little bit about before we started recording. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, when I, you know, heard about it, I was like, I'd love to be a part of this. So it was exciting that you know, you guys have this and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it. So thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, we've, we've realized, we've talked for years about how, you know, so much of MSU Denver is Colorado, right? Like most of our students are from Colorado. Most of them stay here, yeah. but we're realizing as the world's expanding and especially in a post COVID time where you can go anywhere and work from anywhere, we're seeing our alums in so many different places and we wanted to make sure we weren't ignoring those alums and getting them engaged. So I think you're a perfect example. You've, uh, you've spanned quite this country, <laughs> some time in L.A., so now in Atlanta, and so we want to make sure that not only you get a voice uh, in our opportunity, but that others that are in a similar situation can hear from you. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we actually met was at the annual Alumni Awards luncheon. Yes. Uh, in 2021, and you were not there getting an award, not yet, um, but your high school drama teacher, Dan Marcus, uh, received our Distinguished Alumni of the Year Award. Um, that had to be pretty cool. Oh, it was awesome. Dan's great. Oh my gosh. It's so funny too. Like even years out of high school, I have a hard time calling him Dan. I just want to call him Mr. Marcus. Fair. Um, but wow, he was awesome. Awesome teacher. I'm just excited about everything he's doing. I mean, he, you know, not only taught our, um, he actually taught me algebra two and he's probably the only reason I passed algebra two. So thank you, Dan. Owe you a lot for that. But also, you know, he started our film club at the high school. Um, He's just done so much for students and it's just exciting, you know, to see, you know, the recognition he's receiving so well deserved. And um, yeah, I look forward to, uh, you know, hearing more about what he's doing and the fact that, you know, he invited me to that award ceremony. I was very touched by that. It was cool to be there. It is really incredible when you think back, because I can think back to my high school days, too. And I went to a public school as well. And like, you know, I had one or two teachers that I can still think of that changed the trajectory of the way I either thought about something or made me care about something that I thought I had no interest in caring about. And I think about just that impact that teachers can have. And so it's incredible then when it comes full circle and you're now in a position where he's inviting you there and probably just as if not more proud of the accomplishments that you and some of your other classmates and his uh, former students have gone on to accomplish. But what an incredible opportunity to just have have met him at that right time to, to pique some of your interests, right? Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Um, and just to second that, like the teachers I had in high school impacted me so much in that same way. You know, they really helped me figure out what I wanted to pursue. And, um, 
just the encouragement and some of the lessons you learn, you know, like teachers are so fundamental and uh, they're such a grounding source of, you know, just figuring out who you are and what you want to pursue as you get older. And I think that's super cool. So I just, I second that greatly. I would agree. Um, so did, did uh, Doc, or Mr. Marcus, not Dan, I know that's going to be <laughs> tough. Did Mr. Marcus have any sort of influence on you coming to MSU Denver? You know, he actually, he did mention it. Um, I do remember, so it was my senior year, uh, you know, you have the counseling sessions and they're trying to figure out, you know, which college you want to go to and things like that. And I always really liked the look of Metro, just the fact, you know, it was um, such a diverse and all-inclusive like sort of campus like there's just so many things you can do um you can personalize like degrees and get really like specific education out of it and it's affordable and it's accessible to students and so I just really appreciated those values and the opportunities it could give and um yeah learning that Dan was also an alum I was like well this is pretty cool and uh so yeah it just ended up being honestly my first choice and uh I got accepted and I finished um, out my four years there. And it's just, uh, I'm very grateful for everything I learned from Metro. I also had so many good professors and so many great courses at Metro that I really do appreciate. Well, and it sounds like you took advantage of a lot of those values too, right? The accessibility part, because some of your degree you did online, right? You were in LA at the time? Yes, that's right. Um, I was in LA for about a little under a year. Um, and I was finishing, I believe it was my second semester of my first year. I, f- I did that all in LA. And that was so cool to be able to take those courses online and, you know, get the opportunity to travel, um, try new things. And I'm just very grateful for that. And of course, when COVID um, hit too, I was also, you know, fully remote during that time. Um, so it was cool that we had the opportunity and capability to do that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then your degree is in entrepreneurship, not anything in the arts. So what uh, what motivated you to do that? Well, I think part of it was just, you know, the reality of it being I wanted something that would help diversify me um, because I take a lot of art courses and, you know, I took a lot of training and stuff over the years that was outside of high school, outside of college, you know, anything like sort of extracurricular was always a little bit separated And so I wanted a degree that could help me understand the business side as well, because I think that's also very fundamental in success, Um, you know, understanding how to navigate the business side of the arts, you know, whatever capacity it's in, I think it's super important. And I think that my degree helped me quite a bit with that, like just knowing how to position myself and just, you know, I think of all the business plans and things I created and I think I just had a lot of um, cool ideas that came out of it and ways that I could, you know, help position myself for opportunities in the future. Yeah. And I got to figure, especially starting, I I presume you started in a lot of indie films and things in that space. You're having to advocate not just for the art, but for yourself and for the money and to fundraise and to have those business plans. And then everything from, you know, whatever, whatever capital is going to support you to what does your marketing plan look like? I, I have to imagine if you, if you're just coming in as an artist and you're bringing that, which is an incredible skill to it, you're going to get walked all over in some of those other areas because it's highly competitive, right? It is. It's ultra competitive. And, you know, it's, it's important, you know, to have that, that art talent, but be able to supplement it with, you know, the business and some of these you know, aspects that can help. Like I said, I keep saying position, but I think that really is the word for it. You know, it helps you position and get yourself into rooms and um, understand like how to get yourself there. And now you've done some producing too, right? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm just starting to get into that space. So I'm learning a lot. 
but I think it's it's very rewarding, you know, to have more, I think, creative control over a project and also just learn so much about it. You know, I think it's always good to be diversified. I keep saying that, too. That's the word of the day. Um, but, you know, know all aspects of something um, as much as you can be as well-rounded as you can. I think it's helpful. Um, it helps you understand, you know, the production side, um, everything when you get onto future sets and things. So I think it's really helped me. And I've also tried to get into writing, which is something very new. And I'm exploring and I'm bad at it right now, but that's okay. It, that's where you start. Everybody starts somewhere. And um, I think it's it's super rewarding to uh, kind of step out of your comfort zone and try these new things. Yeah, I always look at things. I mean, obviously, as someone that does nothing in that space, uh, I have a brother who's an actor. Oh, um, awesome. Uh, yeah, he does musical theater. And so he does a lot of work actually up here at the Candlelight Playhouse up in Loveland. Oh, but, cool. um, so I've been around it. I'm the weird kid that played sports in a very musical and yeah. artistic family. And so I've just kind of always like, you know, moonwalked out of the room, like not for me, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but it is interesting that the further that he's progressed in his career and, and even my friends, I have a lot of friends, uh, still in LA, still in the, in the industry, um, it is interesting to see that kind of evolution of, okay, well, I was an actor, but in order to be a better actor, I need to understand uh, even how the cameras move yes. and how what we're looking for in a mood and a feeling and what a director is going for. And then even then, then it's like, well, I got to understand how we're writing this because if I have words on a script, does that really come out the way that I envision it to happen? And so to see that evolution, um, that's got to be, uh, and to see and to hear, I think that you're, you're experiencing that now kind of early on still. I mean, you're less than 10 years in your career is pretty exciting. Uh, what has kind of tickled you the most in that? Like, what are you most excited about? What are you most scared about? I think uh, overall, I'm just excited just to see the progression of where I started. You know, when I was, I knew I wanted to be going into film acting when I was 12. And so I started taking like classes and stuff outside of school on the side to kind of supplement that. But just to see, you know, and I didn't start seriously, I would say seriously pursuing it until I was, you know, 16, 17. So just to see like how much, you know, it's progressed in um, just a few years. And I think it, it's, uh, it provides a great source of encouragement because I think whenever you're on your creative journey, I think it's easy to look at what you imagined or what you envisioned for yourself and where you're at. It's usually never exactly what you want it to be. And I think that's actually beautiful because there's so much valuable information and things you take along with you on the way and you're still progressing towards that goal. And so I think overall, I would say I'm excited about where I'm headed and just, you know, the good work I've been trying to put in and just, like I said, understanding and stepping out into these different ventures, you know, whether it's in writing, directing is also something I want to get into. So I think it's scary to step in those spaces, but it's necessary. Um, and it's it all has to start from somewhere. And I think I was scared when I was 12, knowing what I wanted to do. But I think as a kid, you're still a little bit more fearless in that sense. And so I went after it and I didn't look back. And I'm like, well, I just you have to continue that um, as an adult, too. You know, you just keep going and trying new things. There's definitely something to be said about not being afraid to fail as a kid because you just get up and you try again and yeah. there are less consequences. Um, but I think as we get a, as we become adults, it becomes a little bit more 
ingrained in us that like, oh gosh, maybe there isn't a safety net. But in an industry like this, that is so much failure. It's so much rejection. It's putting so much time and effort into something. And it's not just good enough to say, well, I'm going to put my head down and work. It doesn't mean that you're going to get results. That has to kind of shape the way you approach things, right? Oh, absolutely. What I've learned is just to delete expectations from it, which a lot of people might disagree with that. They're like, no, like manifestation, all that. And I do believe in that. And I encourage it to an extent. But I also just believe in the power of knowing who you are and what you're worth and um, what what excites you about this? Like, why are you pursuing this in the first place? And it's if it's ever for like validation or for people to, you know, like it comes and goes, right? Like recognition and things like that. And I think you have to have such a greater purpose outside of it to keep pursuing it. If it really brings you joy in the highs and the lows, you'll keep going. But, you know, if it ever gets to a point where it's, you know, draining or mentally, you know, you can't pursue it in a healthy way anymore, then I think it's good to step back and really reevaluate it because it is a very mentally challenging industry. You go through, like you said, all types of rejection all the time. But I think you just have to learn that it's not personal. Art is so like subjective and everybody interprets it differently. You know, the director, the producer, they all have a different vision they're going after. And just because they don't select you doesn't mean you're bad or a failure, you know. And I I've had several, especially two over the last couple of years, where it's like callbacks or pins, you know, when you're very close to being booked and then you get released. Mm-hmm. And that hurts. It definitely is hard. Um, but, you know, again, you just kind of have to do almost like an ego check and be like, you know what? They're choosing what's best for their story. And that's OK. I'm still going to enjoy this process and the audition and the chance to get into the room is the win. And I think rewiring your brain to appreciate that and the fact that casting and directors, like they want to see you audition or read for a role, that's a huge win. And I think thinking about it that way is super helpful. Yeah, that change, that frame of reference is a very hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to uh, to adjust. And so to hear that you're doing that is pretty incredible. So you talked a little, trying to, trying right? to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, finding the, the reasons that you love something, right? And it can't be ego, ch- ego chasing, validation chasing, even money chasing. So what drew you in originally? Is it the storytelling? Is it the character development? What is the piece that fires you up? I think storytelling as a whole, which is why I've been um, interested in pursuing other, you know, capacities of that outside of acting ever since I was a small child, um, just always moved by film the way it would draw you in and make you refocus or reevaluate your perspective on a situation or the fact it could bring a room full of completely different people of different backgrounds and everybody would leave with almost a collective understanding and feeling like it's such a powerful feeling once you leave the room of a good story and so many things go into that i think one of my favorite movies of all time is interstellar I just love that movie so much. It makes me cry like a baby. Um, but I just have so many movies like that or Shawshank Redemption. I, I can name so many movies over the years where I would just watch it and I was just so moved by a story and just the beautiful art that went, went into it. So I think that's ultimately my drive for it is I love being a part of um, a great story. Uh, I love that you love Shawshank because it's one of my favorites so as well. Good. And it's always on like TNT or TBS, you know, like randomly on a weekend. And so whenever it's on TV, like I just stop on it. 
And there'll be times where my wife will walk in the room and be like, you're watching it again? I was like, well, it was on TV. She's like, you own it. You don't need to watch the commercials. I was like, right, but I mean, it's fine. It's on, you know? I love that. Uh, But it's a great story. Yeah. I do think about that, uh, especially like as a kid. Like going to a movie was like a big treat for my family. So it was like a big deal. Like everybody went together. Uh, And I loved that experience, that collective experience. And I remember I hadn't gone to a lot of movies, you know, through college and kind of in my early 20s. And uh, my brother was visiting me and when I was living in Iowa at the time and uh, Deathly Hollows, either one or two had just come out from a Harry Potter. I had not seen any of them. I was not in the Harry Potter craze, but he's like, we really got to go and see this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd been in a theater in a very long time. And then it was like the collective gasps and the like, what's going to happen? Because people were so invested in this. And it just was such a moving moment for me where I was like, oh, we're all having a shared experience here. It is very intense for a lot of people that have been hanging on to this this one story for seven, eight, ten years. Uh, and now I think about how I consume movies, and mostly it's on Netflix or it's on Hulu or it's on Prime or whatever the case might be. And I feel like we're missing that collective experience. I know we're all having it, but we're all having it separately in our bedroom, you know, on our couches in our bedrooms, whatever that case might be. And I get a little bummed about that. But as an actor, does that do does that cross your mind? Do you think about those things? Like, how do I reach someone on an individual space where now I'm not getting that whole collective response to what might be happening? Oh, absolutely. I haven't had um, the privilege of obviously having like something I've done in like you know a theater the- full theatrical release or anything. Um, but I do miss that a lot. I find my husband and I, we always try and um, go to the movies. Like people will get us like AMC gift cards and stuff because we just love going. It's so exciting. It's so fun to be in that space. And like you said, like have that collective understanding or follow through of a story. And I think what's helped with that, um, I was able to do a couple of film festivals last year um, where we got to do screenings of um, my film who needs you and i think connecting with um, people after that was super special some people who would come up and say like you told my story or i went through this and like oh my gosh that like it's just like amazing to connect with people like that on a deeper level and i think that's another reason why i like film too i think you know there's been parts of movies where I'm sure, you know, people watch something and they're like, I went through this or this is how I felt, you know, whether it's like, it could be anything, right? But when a story is told right and you feel like, I don't know, it's just there's something so powerful about it. And I think it's so exciting to be a part of that. So I am sad that, you know, with streaming, there's not as many opportunities for uh, theatrical release. But way more opportunities to build content, True. right? Because the, which is great. That's the thing is, yeah, there's a million stories to tell, and I know we get oftentimes. I think especially with theatrical releases, we see the same plot lines, just with different characters and different things, because we know they sell, right? It's a much more commercialized portion of the industry rather than the arts part. And so, what I've loved about streaming, especially in that post-COVID era where people were just throwing content at the wall and seeing what would stick, is you do find more opportunities to see something that has real integrity for your story reflected on the screen because we're telling so many different stories. It's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. I feel the same way about music too. Like I love when I go to concerts and everybody loves a song and in my head I'm like, oh no, this is the song that represents this exact breakup and what was happening because the story was written for me or the song was (laughs) written for me and then you realize you're surrounded by 10,000 other people and you're like, oh, for you too. Okay. You know? Oh man, that is the best. I do love that at a concert. Just that collective, oh my gosh, everyone's just out there enjoying music. Concerts are special too. Oh my gosh. They are. I tell (laughs) you. 
well, that's awesome. I love to hear the perspectives because obviously just as a consumer, um, you know, and you're, and you're watching movies and you're taking in content, uh, you have one perspective of it, but to see all the things that go on in the back and how thoughtful, I think that's something that I've also learned probably in the last 10 years is how thoughtful all of the decisions are. Um, even, even I think about that from even just a marketing space, when people think about what font and where is it going to be and what color. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see what I want to see and realizing that there's so much intention behind that. And I have to imagine, especially in an acting role. And now as you get into kind of directing and producing and even some of the writing, how much has to go in to figure out why would this person say this? How would they say it? What would their body look like in this? Are they deflated? Are they elated? What do those emotions look like? And that's got to be such a tiring decision-making chain kind of that you have to have in that space. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, so much thought goes into it and I'm, I'm terrified to like try it, but I think I, it'll be super rewarding. That's everything I've learned from it. Um, my good friend, who's also the director, writer, producer, and lead actor in Who Needs You, he talked a lot about that. Um, just, you know, it's it, it was still such a rewarding experience, and he did such a brilliant job with everything. So I think he definitely inspired me to try and pursue my own content and uh, do things like that, because it's just cool to see, you know, see it from start to finish. So when you're doing a role like Who Needs You that presumably you don't have personal experience with, you haven't gone through that yourself, what is the research and the, like, how do you get into that space? I would say that was definitely a hard um, role because I wanted to portray it with as much honesty and authenticity as possible. But with my experience and knowledge, I just, I haven't lived in that space. And so I really had to envision that. And I am friends with a lot of uh, single mothers and a single mother did actually help uh, collaborate on the story. And so I did listen to her input. And yeah, between Jess and Tyler, I kind of, from everything they've learned, I incorporated that and yeah, just a lot of like research and understanding, just the amount of stress and uh, so much that just is hard to reflect in a situation that you haven't lived in. So I did feel a lot of like pressure on that, but I think at the end of the day, I, I hope I was able to give the story, you know, justice to women who relate to that. And I just, uh, yeah, it's a special role to me, but I, I, I do remember how much, you know, thought and everything initially that went into it. Well, and I got to think, especially in a role like that, too, where you're talking about the stress and all the things that are kind of tangential. And we think about acting, again, as just like on the consumer face, like, oh, you're going to get up there, you're going to say some lines, you're going to look a certain way. But the reality is when you're trying to embody a character in some way, shape, or form, you have to embody what they're feeling at those times. And if you're dealing in a movie specifically like this one with a single mother and the challenges that are going on, it's probably more in what they don't say than what they do say, <laughs> right? Yes. And that's a huge part of it, too. I think, you know, in any role, um, every actor, everybody has like a different process, but I think knowing that although I haven't lived this specific situation, I have felt like I wasn't heard before. I have felt these emotions that are fundamentally below the lines. You know what I mean? Like what's behind this line? What is she feeling? Like you said, she's deflated. She's not being heard. She's been dismissed. She's been all these things, right? So I think collectively, although like I said, haven't been in that situation, I was able to draw from that you know, experience or the feeling of not being heard or anything that was below the lines, you know, that was, wasn't on paper. And I was able to kind of pull from that experience and hopefully bring truth to the role. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Did you know the Office of Alumni Relations provides free career support to all alumni for life? We have a wide variety of career resources, including one-on-one career coaching, life design coaching, webinars, free access to LinkedIn learning, in-person networking events, and much more. Visit our website for more information on how to access your free benefits and services. This episode is brought to you by the one bird that performs its own stunts, Steven Siegel. Let's uh, switch gears just a little bit because I'm super interested in one of your very first jobs. But so you've had a pretty standard trajectory from um, kind of in this industry, right? You've done some commercials, you've done some indie stuff, you've got a few uh, specials, some shorts uh, now in a limited TV series and then a new film coming out as we talked about, Shrapnel coming out later this year. But you're very one of your very first jobs that I could at least find was that you trained police officers in role play situations. I did. I just, I have so many questions. What was that like? How much discomfort did these police officers have in these situations? Did anyone actually buy in and you're like, hey, you actually should be doing this on the side? Yeah. What was that like? Oh my goodness. Um, It was high stress, but it was a very rewarding job because I actually felt like I could feel direct impact. But yeah, I would travel. I worked for crisis intervention teams and um, with my group, um, I would yeah, I would act and portray various situations of um, mental and physical crises. There is so much I learned from that. And I have have the experience of police officers, you know, really buying into a situation and going through scenarios that were um, triggering to them, especially. And I think, you know, like this training was so fundamental and I think it's so important to have it. So I was really grateful that I was able to be a part of it. But yeah, it was pretty pretty high stakes, high stress because, you know, obviously that's a lot of responsibility and, you know, some of these, you know, crises I haven't had experience with. Um, so it took a lot of, a lot of research on my end and wanting to make sure that I'm bringing as much truth, um, as I could to, uh, every scenario. But yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting job. I, I even think about, you know, part of our shop, we do a lot of fundraising. And so we'll do some role play every once in a while, like sitting down with a donor and how would this conversation go? Because there's so much value in not sitting in, at the table the very first time doing it and stumbling through it, right? Uh, and it is the most awkward and discomfort and uncomfortable situation for so many people <laughs> to have to pretend mm-hmm. in that space. Uh, and I, I just find it, you know, reminiscent of like my third grade play days, you know, <laughs> but then to also realize like, no, no, no. Like if I actually do this well, I'm doing the work. So I have that repetition. I have that practice so that I'm in that space. I just, I just think it's, it's very valuable work, but I imagine um, a whole lot of police officers not being comfortable doing that. <laughs> yes. Um, we definitely had, you know, some that were really into it and really gave it their best. Um, some people who really, really connected and some of them, you know, would be visibly upset like during the scenario. So of course it did kind of feel, you know, it was interesting because you know, it's like role play. Um, so like you said, it's interesting because you definitely have, you know, a fair mix of people who buy into it and some people who struggle with it, but it's always amazing seeing at the end, you know, cause it's usually over a few days and uh, towards the end, they're really like buying into it, getting into it and uh, understanding the importance of the training and everything. So I think that's it's good to see that full circle. Yeah. Once you see the value, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, what are some other uh, random acting jobs or, or things in the industry that have that have been memorable to you that you either tell as a, you know, it's a party story or, <laughs> or it's a, I can't believe I did that story. Yeah. Uh, let me think. So I worked 
on a couple of games for uh, the Life is Strange series. Um, so I did a lot of the motion capture. That was probably, I would say, the most interesting acting job just because you know, you're not dealing with a physical set. It's all just, you know, you have the mocap outfit on, um, you have all these like reflector dots and everything. And, uh, the people you're interacting with or the objects you're interacting with aren't there. Or I don't know. I remember like there was this one part in, um, life is strange where, so I was doing motion capture for Max Caulfield and I was going up through the attic. We were doing an attic scene and I kept like running into the walls or running into the things because there was just like a string or something and I was like, oh shoot, there's a wall there. I can't walk through it. <laughs> so it was a learning curve for sure, but oh my gosh, it was so much fun. I look fondly back on that. Um, it was just a great experience, great team. But I would say that's probably my most unique one. So do they, when they do motion capture, I'm just curious, like facial expressions captured as well, or are they animating that like through CGI Yeah, stuff? so I did a little bit of both. Um, at the time when we were working on Before the Storm, I was just doing strictly body capture. Um, so I wasn't doing any, you know, facial capture or any VO. And then I was later brought on for the remastered collection. And then I did uh, Max Caulfield's facial expressions and things like that. So it was interesting because it was like for the facial expressions, I didn't have the voice. Right. So I had to uh, lip sync to it. But also in that voice, you know, in the actress's voice, like be able to capture what that expression would look like the way she stayed the line and things like that so I think it was a really both experiences were awesome like acting exercises because it was just an unusual experience you know where you're trying to just put together a piece of the story you know the face the body but not all of it at once and not all at once which is yeah that's really crazy yeah that's a that's a cool, a very cool experience and something that you don't think of when you think of acting and like, oh, you've been an actor, you've been in movies, you've done things. It's like, oh, yeah, but I also did this. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and I think even the recognition that those are acting roles, right? Mm-hmm. People have to do those things. Yeah, it's a cool experience to look back on. Yeah. So what's the what's next? What's the dream destination? If things go your way, if you have the luck you need, if you put in the work that you do, um, where where is the ideal state the the ending for you? It's a great question. I feel like it changes mm-hmm. as I get into I'm nearing my mid twenties now, and I feel like my frontal lobe is uh, finishing development. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I can almost like I almost want to believe I can feel it. Um, just because I feel like my views on life and what I really want out of this life has fluctuated quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think whatever it looks like, I would like to be in a position where I'm full time doing film work and it doesn't have to be in in an explosive capacity or anything great but just enough where I'm creating and I'm able to connect with people reach the audiences and tell stories that haven't been told or help voices that aren't heard that's awesome I think as long as I continue in that direction I'm able to make a comfortable living off it that is the end goal for me you know just to be able to tell stories and uh reach people and connect with them. Yeah. And I think it goes back to kind of what you said earlier too, about that, you know, lower your, how did you say it? Uh, don't, don't have, ex- not don't have expectations, but that I think like, I said like delete expectations. Yeah, yeah, don't care about your expectations. No, but this, it goes back to the earlier idea of like delete expectations, but still manifest the things. And I think this is what you just explained was a really perfect and beautiful way of saying like, I don't know what that expectation is going to be, but I know the feelings and I know the things I want. So I'm going to make that happen. 
Um, so I am going to manifest what I want, but I'm not going to have a singular destination point. It's going to be a feeling and a collective of what that looks like. And I think that's I, yes. such wow, a smart you, like, way. reworded that in such a good way. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to get at. So I'm glad it uh, you were able to get that. <laughs> See, maybe I have a storytelling future, but yes. uh, but no, but I think but I think that's the important thing. And now I'm I'm in my early 40s, and I think it took me a lot longer to realize that. You know, my goals were, before were always very much a singular destination. I want this job. I want this life. I want this. And it took me in my 30s to realize, no, no, no. I want the feelings that I imagine will come with that, and that could look a totally different way. Yes. I mean, I I joke all the time that like I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up, and I know I'm halfway grown up now. Now, but I just know the things that I like. And so I'll walk through doors when they open for me. Um, I'll figure things out. I'll put in the work and be the best that I can in that situation. But whatever that final destination is, I want it to be an entire experience and not just a singular thing that I thought I wanted to do at 16. Right? Beautiful. I love that. I completely agree. I think there's so much power in that too. You're taking your power back. Yeah. The more you put labels and expectations on your future and what it's going to look like, you're setting yourself up for a disappointment because the truth is, there's so much exciting things that can come out of just doors that are open with an open mind and goals to get to where you want to be. But like you said, not a destination, more a feeling. Yeah. If you're always looking for the next thing or the next expectation, when I'm, it's like the classic thing of I'll be happy when I reach this. I'll be happy when I do this. It just keeps going. And then one day you're at a point where you're like, wait, I said after all of these things, I'd be happy, but I'm still looking for the next thing. You have to choose where you're at, choose to be happy and choose to pursue things that are helping you get on that path, but just, just keep an open mind. Yeah. And I think the other part too, is just not rushing through it to the next thing so that you don't experience the things you're supposed to at the place you're at. Yeah, I've had to be really cognizant about slowing myself down too, to be like, no, no, no. So I've, I've been in Colorado 10 years now. Let me experience Colorado. And that's a very facial and surface way of thinking it, but it's like, no, I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to do these things because it's healthy because that's the moment that I'm in now. And I think especially in an acting and in the entertainment industry, that's got to be so hard when so much of it is on a cycle of what's next. And is it pilot season? Is it this? And where am I going? That it's sometimes we forget to say, no, mm-hmm. let's experience what we're in and, and take advantage of those feelings. But that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> I love that. No, I am 100% in agreement. I think that's a really well well stated way to put it. It's awesome. So what's, um, as far as actual projects, I know we just talked about not having a destination. You have things you're working on now? Yeah. Um, so like you said, shrapnel, um, that one will be the next thing that's coming out. Other than that, honestly, I have a couple of stuff that I've been thinking of producing, but nothing really after that on the acting side as of right now. As you might know, Writers Guild is on strike right now. Uh, sag After is about to go into their contract negotiation. Yeah. So just, it kind of depends on how the industry is going to shape out the next few months. It's been very quiet since about November. I think this strike and everything that's been happening has been overdue and pending for a while. Mm-hmm. And so now we're just kind of feeling the effects of that. But if I'm honest, it's it's the industry has been slow since November. And I think depending on how the next couple months go, it may continue to be that way. So as we were talking about with the whole, you know, um, destination, of course, my my expectation or my hope for Atlanta was like, you know, I'm going to move out to Atlanta and there's going to be more projects and more things. Um, But I've also found that there's beauty in this quiet period, too, because I can kind of reground myself. I can work on building my community here. Um, 
and also just enjoying life and just being able to be present in my new space and really take it in for what it is and uh, prepare my materials, you know, acting materials, whatever it is, as we head into this next season. That's exciting. It is. It's always tough when there's outside influences that are impacting those next steps, but it sounds like you have a really great plan and, and have a lot of ideas and things that'll keep, that'll keep it moving forward, keep the momentum going. So that's always exciting. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Anything else you wanted to share or talk about on this podcast for the sake of our 105,000 alumni viewers that all listen diligently? Yes. <laughs> I just, you know, I appreciate uh, Metro and all of the alum. I've made so many great friends um, over at MSU. And yeah, I'm just, I'm very grateful and stoked to be part of this podcast. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah. We're just so excited. We, you know, we've talked about over the course of, I don't know, the 10 years I've been here, we've graduated more than half of our alumni just in the last 20 years because of how quickly the institution grew. Uh, And so most of our alums are uh, very young in their careers. And so this is a great opportunity for us to figure out what are you doing? Why are you doing it? What what kind of impact are you having on your communities, whether that's local, national, you know, in this case, the silver screen, (laughs) you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, And so it's fun to hear these stories and to realize, too, the roles that MSU Denver plays in some of that. I love that your story is not that you studied theater or art here. It's that you studied entrepreneurship and that you're in a position where the business acumen that you had before you started has grown because of your time and you're putting it to use. And so I think that's the important thing, especially as the dialogue of, you know, higher education changes and there's voices out there that say, oh, you don't have to go to higher ed. You can just do whatever you want to do and do this. And that might be a fine route for some people, but there's such a great value in expanding your knowledge beyond the things you were comfortable with before you started. And so I love that you explored that that you studied some things in the business space and and finding a way to kind of pair that business need with the passions that you already had in the acting space. So I just think this is a great opportunity to tell that story. And I am very grateful that you allowed us to do that today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. I have three final questions that we just ask all of our guests. All right. Um, The first one is, what is your favorite MSU Denver memory? Ooh. I think uh, I have to say just the campus and the culture on it. I loved being so close to Denver and just being able to, you know, walk across the street and um, get food downtown Denver. Um, I think the amazing people of all ages, all backgrounds, all the people I befriended there, you know, is such a diverse group of individuals. And I'm just so grateful to have met them, just met some very special people. That's awesome. What does it mean to you to be a roadrunner? Run your own road. I'm not just saying that, but seriously, like everybody who was at Metro had a different path lined up. And I think, you know, with the specialized degree capabilities and everything, it's so unique. Like everybody is going to school and some people were already in the middle of their own business or just in my experience since I went to the business school, but everybody had a different strategic plan or an end goal. And it was just so unique to be able to experience that. It's very cool. Uh, The last one, if you could put a billboard on campus with one piece of advice for all students to see, what would it say? Oh, that's a really good question. Keep going and be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your heart on fire. That's like a quote that's completely stolen, so I don't know if I can use that, but 
<laughs> we'll give the attribution. It's like, a, did you ever watch The Office? You know, you miss 100% yes. of the shots that you don't take. Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that is so I funny. Like. I'm wondering uh, too if there's a way to piece together kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, getting rid of your expectations, but pursue, you know, a feeling or like an end goal in that sort of light. Man, I should have thought about that a bit more, so I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I, I could have given them to you before. We just like to feel what's on people's hearts at that moment. But I do think that that idea of, you know, your the expectation, all of it goes together. Like, keep going. And even if the expectation changes or that destination changes, you're still moving in that space. So Yeah, keep moving forward. I like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll get, it, we'll get mocked up and we'll let you know when it's on camera. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Megan. This was awesome. And I super want to thank you. I am I'm being told I need to do need to ask you one more question um, about what are uh, what are some things? And we talked a little bit about this earlier in terms of kind of uh, in the industry, in the entertainment business, what gets you out of your comfort zone. But outside of that, like what are the things if you had to put it into themes like what are those comfort zone spaces that you're it's, I'm going to get out of it because I have to just getting out of your own way? Oh my goodness. We create a lot of problems within ourselves, right? You talk to anybody and they'll talk about like, I'm insecure about this. I'm insecure about that. And it's like, as an outsider, outside of their perspective, you're like, I didn't think any of that about you. Like, I disagree. (laughs) You know, like your brain is lying to you. Really just get out of your own way. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because mistakes, that's the only thing you're going to grow from. Mm -hmm. As awful and as horrible as they seem in the moment, mistakes are what keep you moving forward without mistakes it wouldn't be linear i would agree the other thing too i would say is progress isn't linear and you have to be okay with that you have to acknowledge that and just fully accept it because it's not going to be linear but keep going that's the only thing that is constant you have to keep going and you have to get out of your own way and keep moving forward with what makes you happy that's perfect i think you summed it all up well, thanks again. This was a super enjoyable hour. Oh, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. And always so great to get to meet another Roadrunner and spend some time hearing about uh, what you've done and what, where you're going, because I'll be keeping an eye out for sure. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Ruby. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bird Talk, special accommodation provided by University Advancement. Thank you to Ruby Matheny, Brandy Wrightout, Heather Holzbauer-Schweitzer, and Andy Schlichting. Production provided by David Sharman, and I'm your host, Jamie Hurst. Keep running, roadies.